You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Wednesday the 28th of July and it's the second day of the Qatar Goodwood Festival, Glorious Goodwood, which brightened up quite nicely yesterday after an extraordinarily soggy start that led to the withdrawal of the great Stradivarius in his bid for a fifth Goodwood Cup, something that will be discussed later in this podcast. It is the Sussex Stakes today, it is the feature race of the week, and it is an extraordinarily intriguing addition with Poetic Flair, the star three-year-old colt who was so good at Royal Ascot, bidding to prove he's just as good with plenty of give underfoot against his female counterparts already proven on it, Alcohol Free and Snow Lantern, going for their third matchup after its one-all following victory for Alcohol Free in the Coronation Stakes at Ascot and victory for Snow Lantern in that absorbing Falmouth Stakes at Newmarket. But it is not Glorious Goodwood where we start today, far from it. And Jane Mangan was already going to appear on today's podcast before events unfolded in an extraordinary way at Galway Races last night. Jane, what happened? What we thought was a very impressive two-year-old maiden winner, Alizarine, a debutante from Jessica Harrington's, owned by Kirsten Rousey and, of course, bred by Kirsten Rousey, beat the well-fancied Twinkle in the 510, the Cullum Quinn BMW uh, Phillies maiden. Um, Shane Foley went away in, all was well. And then there was a steward's inquiry called and Jessica Harrington summoned to the weigh room. The rumour started to circulate fairly quickly that it was an issue with the identity of the animal. And what we thought was a classy two-year-old maiden was actually won by a three-year-old filly rated 79 called Aurora Princess who was due to line up in the 6.45 race. There was a mix-up in communications. The wrong horse ran in the wrong race. So the horse was then disqualified or the horse that wasn't actually the horse was disqualified. That in itself presents a, an issue for, for betters which I will come to in a few moments' time. But let's talk about the integrity issues first of all. How is it possible that the wrong horse ran in the wrong race? Mm. So all horses are scanned upon entering the stable yard. So Alizarine would have been identified as the right horse entering the stable yard. But obviously, Jess Carrington had a number of runners yesterday. And the wrong horse was saddled and brought into the parade ring and ran in the race. And it wasn't until after the race when the horse was being identified as a winner that they realised. So basically what is not foolproof and we saw this in the Phillies mile last year at Newmarket with Snowfall and Mother Earth being mixed up and wrong saddles being put on the wrong Phillies. Essentially I believe that there should be a microchipping um, process as you enter the parade ring. There is in point of points in Ireland. As you walk into the parade ring you're saddled, your number cloth is on, you are microchipped going into the parade ring. I don't understand the why a horse after they have won is then identified surely that's a little bit too late so the plus side of it is that because the horse was identified as the wrong horse after the race before the weighed in was announced or winner or right as it's known in ireland that meant that from an integrity betting point of view that the, the result could be corrected but as you say it's too little too late 
this has to be stopped happening. Now, Jessica Harrington, I've spoken to her this evening. She said she'd rather not come and talk on the podcast for understandable reasons. But she did talk to me at some length, and she simply held her hands up and said it was her own fault. Ultimate responsibility stops with her, and she wasn't seeking to, to blame the authorities. And whilst I accept that the ultimate responsibility does lie with her, surely there's got to be a way of protecting owners, trainers, and the betting public from this sort of thing happening. But the, 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 the solution is very simple, and it is to microchip, scan microchip horses at the end of the parade ring. Now, some trainers will contest that, saying that some horses are fractious and it, it's not going to be suitable for all horses that are a little bit difficult. But yet I go back to the point that in an amateur sport like point-to-pointing, it happens at all race meetings at every race. So it can be done. I think it just needs to be done. We, we mustn't forget that if Alizarine had not won, you know, if Aurora Princess, Al, as Alizarine, had finished second, mm. she wouldn't have been identified post-race and that would have gone into the form book. Which makes you wonder how often this happens and is undetected. Because as night follows day, this cannot be an isolated example. And we saw it in the UK last year with Mother Earth and Snowfall being mixed up before the Phillies Mile. Who could have thought they'd go on to be such high-profile horses between them? That's by the by. In Britain, increased checks have now come in. In an ideal world, say the British Horse Racing Authority, they would like to have paddock entry checks at every race course, but they are not sufficiently resourced to be able to do it. Though they do want to do it, they still have tightened up their checks significantly with horses leaving the stables to enter the paddock area. So if the paddock area is very close to the racecourse stables, that is as good as a pre-paddock check. In Ireland, surely there's got to be a secondary check between the racecourse stables and the paddock at the very least. I I think it has to be after the horse has been saddled so that the person checking can check that the proper number cloth is on um, because then there's no point in ch- on microchipping a horse and then a, a trainer having six runners and you could have an incident where the, again the wrong saddle wasn't the wrong horse so just c- to completely foolproof it that would be my view uh, everybody will have their own opinion on this but it was number one extremely embarrassing number two the fact that this isn't an isolated case and it has happened before it makes it even more embarrassing that we haven't learned from these uh, mistakes. And we knew this happened in Newmarket at grade one level to one of the best known trainers in the world. It can happen anywhere. Uh, and I'm, I'm just disappointed that we haven't learned our lesson and we allowed it to happen again. If the practitioners are kicking back against it, surely we should say to the practitioners, it's for your own protection. Exactly. Look, everybody has their own opinion. And I don't think it's every you can't please everyone but i think it's a very simple solution um uh, and i think it has to be implemented and people i don't know if the ihrb will cite that they don't have the manpower or this and that there's there's lots of excuses but ultimately this is this is very detrimental to the integrity of the sport at a time when we do not need to be making mistakes so just solve the problem also just one final point and i just touched on this earlier if the horse was not Alizarine, Alizarine has not run in that race. Therefore, the horse shouldn't be treated as a disqualified runner. Surely it should be treated as a non-runner. Surely it should be this horse never ran for betting purposes and all stakes refunded. Surely, because it wouldn't have qualified under the rules of the race anyway. So yeah, that is a fair, fair point to make. Well, until that happened, it would have been no offers that would be starting off with a look back at yesterday's action from Goodwood. In fairness, the Goodwood Cup slightly fell apart. Not only did Stradivarius not run because of the ground, Spanish Mission, his chief threat on form, was also taken out by his trainer, Andrew Balding. 
that it was quite widely debated whether it was a good idea to take Stradivarius out or not. Jane, what was your view? Again, everyone loved their own views. I am with the Gosden camp on this and Bjorn Nielsen. I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision to make, but he's been a huge star for them, a real superstar, and he is time and time again proven that he does not like this type of conditions he's a 17 time winner he's won over 3 million in prize money he owes them nothing and they I think had to do what was right for the horse and for me that was the right decision to take him out you've got a horse that is advancing in years that is going for a piece of history five Goodwood Cups a pretty poor race by Goodwood Cup standards He's won on soft ground numerous times before, no matter what connections say. And it was just soft on times, not heavy. And it's 300 grand. It's 300 grand, yes, I know. But I think if it was about money, uh, it might be a different argument. I don't think with with Stradivarius it's about money anymore. It's about the horse. And um, I, I totally get your argument. It wasn't a vintage renewal by any means, but... They made the call based on what was right for the horse, and I hope he bounces back in the Longsdale Cup. Because to be honest, do any of us really think he was at his best at Ascot? Maybe that came into the reckoning as well. So it was left to True Shannon, Holly Doyle, who starred with a treble at Goodwood yesterday to plough through the mud to win the Goodwood Cup. He's a highly professional and capable horse at a very high level, uh, Jane True Shan. He is, uh, and again, this has been a storyline for much of the flat season so far, particularly at Ascot. A reasonably priced Group 1 winner, an 8 grand foal turned 31,000 guineas breeze up purchased by Anthony Bromley and Alan King. And credit to them, what a what an achievement. Away he goes, ran a massive race for Ismail Mohammed. I think Sir Ron Priestley emerged with a lot of credit as well. The Irish contingent did not emerge with a lot of credit. Uh, they disappointed, but Holly Doyle, he, he wasn't easy. He was keen. He fought her for a lot of the way. She did not take any prisoners in the closing stages. She got the stand size the rail. She wasn't going to leave anybody get there. So she did the mechanics really well. I know she was on the best horse, but, you know, when you get the mechanics right as often as she does, you know, you almost take it for granted. Um, but for Jumps Trainer, Noel Mead had a Group 1 winning uh, horse here in the Tatsaws Gold Cup this year. And uh, Alan King, not dissimilar to Noel in that he buys... Uh, flatbred horses, yearlings, um, and, and excels at the likes of the Fred Winter and the, and the Triumph. And this is a real feather in his cap. Well, the damp conditions at Goodwood might have had plenty of people tearing their hair out. Not so Rafe Beckett, who bagged both the Group 2 races, the Vintage Stakes, and also the Lennox Stakes. Both very valuable races as well, with Angel Blur and Kin Ross. Rafe joins me now. Rafe, I thought it was very un-Beckett-esque to wheel a horse round three days after he'd been beaten at, at Ascot as you did with Angel Blur yes uh, <laughs> um, well spotted Nick um, uh, we discussed on, on Saturday night after the race we discussed gelding him and uh, send, giving him a holiday and sending him to Hong Kong in October for Mark to uh, chant his owner to, to, to uh, run next year Um Sunday morning, and he bounced up the yard when we uh, when we jogged him up and, and weighed him. And uh, I then rang Jamie and McCalmont, uh, Mark's racing manager, and suggested we declared for Tuesday. Jamie um, Jamie is a, is is the perfect racing manager because he generally lets you or no, not generally, always lets you get on with it. And uh, uh, Mark is a very relaxed. Uh, character and uh, uh, the rest all fell into place 
so it's great. It's certainly... It certainly did fall into place. Do you think there was a bit of him, given that you were talking about gelding him and giving him a rest, do you think he was half taking the mickey out of you at Ascot, or was the ground just too quick for him? I think he was just too fresh, genuinely. I think, you know, Frankie, as, as, as he said in our post-race yesterday, thought that uh, the, horse was, the horse had uh, gone over the top and had too much racing. The opposite was the case. He just, I hadn't run him, obviously, since uh, Royal Ascot, and... Uh, he, he just did a little too much early and uh, didn't quite finish off his race as a result. Um, you know, he's, we knew it was very tough uh, to have three runs before Royal Ascot and, 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 and show up on the day. Takes a bit of doing, as you know. Um, but he, he, really, uh, he really thrives for racing. He's, um, they're, they're a rare beast, uh, those horses, and uh, it pays to make the most of them when, when they come along. So with that in mind, are we now going to, not? I'm not suggesting we're going to see him every week, but are we going to see quite a lot of him between now and the end of the year? Yes, that's a difficult one to, 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 uh, to equate. I think probably we'll put him in the national stakes this morning, the second entry for that race uh, closes today. And uh, we'll have, I think the race for him, though, uh, Nick, is almost certainly the um, Lagardère on Arc Day. Um, it's pretty clear that, uh, as, as Frankie said yesterday, it's pretty clear that uh, going round a bend suits him, suits his style of racing, and uh, I think Longchamp would, would be perfect for him. And you won with Kin Ross as well for the for the same owner, which was a pretty notable double for for Mark Chan, who I'm sure is still buzzing in in, in Hong Kong. What's turned Kin Ross around? Is it is it the gelding? Yes, I think that's, that has a significant amount to do with it. Also, I think his trainer finally working out uh, a regime that suits the horse. Last year, I was always trying to get him ready for something um, until we left him alone and uh, in the autumn after he bombed out at Newbury. Uh, and it, it, we, we, uh, we just left him to his own devices effectively and uh, he, he, was, he, was, he was impressive in the high stakes off a fast pace. That taught taught us a lesson. Dubai then didn't work. Obviously, he he does appreciate giving the ground. Uh, That was a mistake going out there. And uh, bringing back and gelding him has has done the rest of the job. So I think it's a layered uh, uh, problem that we had. And uh, we we finally worked out that, you know, not much fast work suits the horse. And keeping him well and fresh really suits him. Could he win a group one? I think so. Uh, last year, when we were getting him ready for the for the for the guineas, uh, James Delahook asked, who looks after uh, Julian Richmond Watson's uh, uh, mares or advises Julian. He, uh, he he asked me, uh, you know, if, if he was quick enough for the guineas. I said I think he's fast enough for a July Cup, and I I I, I, I still think that. Hence his entry for the for the Haydock Sprint. Aiden, Aiden O'Brien used to say that about it, all his horses as well. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd say it about too many horses. I like Aiden, but, uh, uh, yes. uh, but I, I, I do think he's fast enough for six on, under the right conditions. Yeah, soft ground, definitely. You've got loads of runners later in the week. Uh, I won't go through them all. I will, however, observe that you're clipping along at about a 30% strike rate at the moment with loads of runners as well. Have you ever had a streak quite as hot as this? Uh, I suppose uh, autumn of 2019 we were rattling along, and I suppose last autumn we rattled along. Yeah, I think we 
we we flew last September and October. But uh, yeah, Goodwood has never really as 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 you know we've done that well there from time to time, but um, we certainly never had a double there. So it's great. And the one horse I did I did have a look at toward the back end of the week on Saturday was Alba Flora in the Lily Langtree. Because if you talk about a horse who's sort of on the cusp of maybe being a, a Group 1 horse at some point, might it be her? Yeah, I think I think that against her own sex, I think we, there, are, there is a case to be made for that. I think that Lily Langtree if, if, uh, will suit her really well. She's in good shape. I think the other race that will suit her really well in the autumn is the um, champion fillies and mares. Um, I think uh, we'll end up working back from there at some point. But um, yeah, I'm keen to run on Friday, on Saturday, yes. I mean, she was very, very impressive at Ascot earlier in the season. I know it was only in a listed race, but I thought, wow. And evidently you did as well because you stuck her in the Coronation Cup. Mm. Yeah, I thought, she, I thought she was made for Epsom. I thought she'd wheel around there. The opposite happened. And then uh, she showed up in a really strong hard work, didn't she? So, um, yeah, back against her own sex, I think we can we can uh, be more competitive, certainly. And you've got Yes Yes uh, entered there as well. Will she go there or will she go to Newmarket on Saturday? I think she's probably going to go to the Langtree as well, unless Newmarket got a lot of rain. She needs some juice in the ground and... Uh, It'll be it'll it'll be a test for her, but she's ready for it. She uh, worked well on Saturday, and uh, I'm, I'm keen to run if uh, if the ground stays on the easy side. And who's your best chance this afternoon? Uh, it's going to be tricky this afternoon. Uh, Muir Moore is in is in is in rare form. She'll run really well, uh, but uh, and fabulous again. He'll run well in the first, but uh, he's probably handicapped up to his best. So. I don't think we'll be troubling the judge today. Rafe Beckett, who is having a tremendous season. Okay, what about today's Sussex Stakes, the feature race of the week? The ground is drying a little. It might be somewhere between good to soft and soft by the time the Sussex Stakes is run. Uh, Is this going to markedly inconvenience Poetic Flair, whose best performances have come on a fast surface? If it was good to firm, I would say nothing would beat him over a mile. Um... Uh, as as a three-year-old, I, obviously, if Palace Pier was meeting him, it would be a lot different. I'm very happy to see Sky Lantern in there, or Snow Lantern. That makes it really interesting. Obviously, alcohol free as well, but Snow Lantern adds another ace to the pack. But the three-year-old Colts are absolutely top drawer this year. I think they've proven that. And over a mile, Poetic Flair is brilliant. Was awesome at Ascot. Really travelled super. Um, the time he was beaten at, at the Curra by Max Sweeney, like that was bottomless ground I'm not a good wood but it was at the Curra and that was middle of winter ground and he was beaten a short hit by Max Sweeney in the guineas so I don't think the Phillies will beat him but I'm glad they're there Okay, Who do you think has got the stronger credentials out of Alcohol Free and Snow Lantern? Uh, alcohol Free Snow Lantern will Jamie Spencer will need to to switch her off she was really keen at Newmarket in the Falmouth uh, got loads of cover um, that mightn't be straightforward a good wood alcohol free obviously was third behind her that day but our, our ascot run and her guineas run I, I like alcohol free I think she's probably of the pair really solid we're going to have to agree to disagree again let's have a word about the Qatar Nassau stakes on Thursday quickly because Aidan O'Brien's Joan of Arc the Prix de Dian winner is currently the second favourite behind Ordaria the Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf winner Lady Bothorpe who gets plenty of exposure on this podcast is third favourite it looks between those three 
Yeah, she's getting nine pounds. A three-year-old's getting nine pounds. Uh, Lady Bolthorpe, that, that would be the story. We've, we've covered that well. Odaria, second to love. Love hasn't backed it up, but that was in a completely different type of race. I'm a big Odaria fan. Um, Aiden's three-year-old fillies this year are obviously very good, uh, headlined by Snowfall, but um, Lady Bolthorpe's run at Newmarket was very good, but Odaria is the heavyweight. She's the most experienced. She's the Breeders' Cup winner in there, and I think she deserves to be top of the market. And Jane, I saw the top of the, the show on RTE today. You were broadcasting with Ruby Walsh from Galway, your colleague uh, Hugh Carroll, I'm guessing, away on, on Olympic duty, Ruby hosting the show. Uh, and you'll be in the hot seat today. Yes, but I've I've substituted Ruby out and I brought in a heavyweight of my own and I'm bringing in Ted uh, to be my wingman. So I have Barry Garrity, Andy McNamara and Ted Walsh. I think I'll be fine. Do you need that many that many wingmen, all three of them? Ah, uh, just to be sure, to be sure, like on your debut. I'm not Nick. Look, I can't fly lo- fly solo yet. Like. I'd say I'd say you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, Ruby, Ruby seemed to take to it irritatingly well. I thought. Y- you know what's irritating about that man is that he can do anything. And uh, you know that person in school that's like really good looking, really popular, and really smart. You know, I'm not saying he's good looking or anything, but he's got a lot. Yeah, I was I was just waiting for you to dig your way out of that little hole. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him any of this, will you? Um, I'm sure he's an avid listener to the Nick Look Daily, but yeah, he, he's he's a natural. And to be fair, it helps when everybody, you know, the the, the team is is massive and Galway races. It have I know we I I have vented my frustration at the amount of people allowed are permitted to Galway this year, but the thousand people there have have made as much of an atmosphere as they can, and to have owners back, it is poles apart, a different planet. To being here this time last week, last year. Right, just time to catch up with day one of the Whirlpool action from Goodwood. Whirlpool operating each and every day this week as part of the 17 UK race days, and we've been keeping up to speed with what's going on. Jamie Hart's with us as usual. Jamie, uh, how was yesterday with all the non-runners? Well, it's I mean it's it's terrible poor old Goodwood. They've they've really put on a good uh, a good set of races as usual, and the key number is always seven runners because we need seven runners for those Whirlpool pools to all be operational because once you drop below seven the uh, hong kong jockey club void the, some of the markets particularly their big one the swing the swinger market they call it the quinella place but that's their biggest market so you'll see on those races where we drop to just six runners or below that the turnover goes down a bit but we had some good good turnover through there and some um, good proof points of good value overpays at the whirlpool um certainly things like sisters in the sky paying 9.46 versus 13 to 2 um, was the other one. Lord Ridderford, 9.18 versus 13 to 2. And so you can say, and also when you're, when you're going across Whirlpool, because on if you're betting through the tow, through Toko UK, obviously you get the, the, the SP guarantee. So the overrounds uh, on half of the races, the overrounds are, are sub 100. So, you know, in the, in the sprint races, it's like 97.5% versus you know what you'd expect of about 113 so it's, it's there's some great value there for people to get stuck into and i'm sure that will continue tomorrow i'm quite surprised in some respects given that holly doyle wrote a stack of winners and normally the the whirlpool tends to tend to latch on well she like they, they they were with her with trushan um there's plenty of money for her there and uh so they, they paid under 220 over there although it's a six to five chance here um, but there was still plenty of money in that in that pool for her. They'll be following her again tomorrow. But still, keep an eye out for those kind of lesser-known 
jockeys and 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 you should be doing all right although i was quite surprised because frank vittori was an overpay as well earlier on when uh, uh angel blur won he it paid 517 versus 100 to 30 so you know frankie isn't always top of the tree perhaps perhaps holly's taken his thunder Okay, what observations do you have about Wednesday's racing, Sussex Stakes and outside? What should we be looking out for? Uh, I think with the with the, the Sussex Stakes, poetic flair could be very short. I think I think they'll get stuck into stuck into him. It's hard to see anything really to put against him there. I, I quite like Duhale, perhaps the, the Andre Farbrals. You can see some of the other horses burning each other off, and some of the bigger outsiders then perhaps coming in for the for the exotics coming so poetic flair up there some of the, a couple of the more favored runners might try and take them on fall and they'll fall by the wayside it's worth sometimes then throwing in some of these bigger priced ones that will be plugging on at the death to take the places for all your kind of quinellas and your trifectas so i, I quite quite like to hail there I, I i think in the in i think highfield princess might be popular uh, because it Obviously, when you're looking at the Hong Kong racing, they also got Royal Ascot. So anything that's won well at Royal Ascot, will they'll be showing the replays. Highfield Princess could go shorter than it would be over here. And um, then the Malcolm, they'll, they'll get stuck into whatever gets backed. And I think looking at the market, I think Fearby looks like the one that's going to be coming in for the most money. So there's a few there to get our, our teeth into. And if you do fancy one that the market doesn't if you know you could you could really get some big overpays i think on the very big outsiders then you'll be looking at kind of 50 and 60 to 1 25 and 30 to 1 chances so it's week one of the racing league that's tomorrow night thursday night at newcastle and one trainer very well represented is charlie fellows who joins me now uh, charlie how much planning and strategies gone into developing your team um so so as you can imagine when you got four you know quite i'd like to think younger members of the training uh, fraternity um we're all quite you know keen and enthusiastic to have our horses represented in the races especially when you're racing for 50 grand so uh, there's been a little bit of you know i think we should be running this horse i think we should be running this horse but actually generally i think we've all been i think we've all been pretty good and if someone is really sort of i'm not punchy but as like you know pretty solid about their chances generally everyone has been stood down and been like yeah okay that's good idea and we had a meeting about three weeks ago where we tried to get a sort of list of 30 horses together making sure that we covered every single distance um and that we had good representation including then looking at each track because obviously all the tracks are very different and ride differently and we wanted to make sure that we sort of had as many horses that would suit each track as possible so i think we've done that i think we're we're very very happy with our team um and um yeah we'll see the proof will be in the pudding but we're up against some pretty shrewd trainers so i'm sure we'll be planning uh, equally if not more than we have so you're playing your cards that you're playing a golden dragon mayfair pompette and mr curiosity have you been have you been laying them away for this is is, is it is is it is it that intense um Mr. Curiosity has very much been laid away for this. Um, he hasn't run for a bit. I decided that he'd had three pretty hard races, having never run before. He was four years old. Um, and that we, uh, you know, I wanted to freshen him up anyway. Uh, and I spoke to Mr. Oppenheimer a while ago and I said, look, 
the race, the first opening race of the meeting at Newcastle will really suit him. It's a lovely big galloping track. Um, so I'd like to target him there, if that's okay. So he could easily have run before now, but um, we very much, you know, I left him alone with this in mind. He's he's rated 89, so one win and he's out the bracket. Um, so, so I couldn't really run him. Mayfair Pompette has been a filly I've always held in extremely high regard, but she's had a lot of issues along the way. Um, it all came together on her first start of the season, Um at Windsor recently and when you know once she'd won there um it was uh you know it was this was very much uh, in, in the forefront of my uh thoughts and then Golden Dragon slightly different he's he has come down the handicap quite significantly he's only joined me relatively recently he's not the most straightforward customer but his run the other day at Bath was much better um, we had planned actually to leave him until um, one of the speedier tracks, but the horse that we had in mind for the race uh, on Thursday uh, met with a very minor setback, and so we drafted Golden Dragon in um, as a sort of as a second choice. So you know, with slightly him, I don't, I'm not sure how much Newcastle will suit. I think the surface will suit. It's just whether the really stiff five is right up his street. So he, you know, but. We, um, yeah, this was a very much a sort of, he was a second option rather than our first option. Now, I want to know a little bit about the dynamic between you and your, your fellow training cohort who make up your team. Who's sort of driving it? Are you the, are you the leader? I think <laughs> the others, the others, the others are probably, probably disagree, but I think I've been the one that has been sort of organising everything, I suppose, is probably the best way of putting it. I've been the one that's been... Uh, myself and George really George is quite like that as well George he's Scott been, yeah George Scott yeah and um, we've sort of been basically trying to get the other members to commit and to um, you know to finalise our numbers and finalise the plans so I think probably between myself and George we've been the ones that have taken the reins slightly and just remind me who else is on your team Hugo Palmer whose yard is flying at the moment and who has uh, sadly he because he trains quite a lot of rabber horses and rabber are not being represented in it um his numbers are not as much as big as we were hoping uh and tom clover who is the smallest got the smallest number of horses out of the four of us um but has uh i think he's a pretty shrewd fella and he has very much laid a couple out for this uh for the for the for the league as well now matters closer to hand you've got runners in the oak tree stakes today the dream and, and uh, onassis and then two in the stewards cup at the weekend both of whom look to have pretty decent chances uh Eshtalab and chief of chiefs uh, tell me about the the oak tree runners first of all step up to seven furlongs and a bit of softish ground would that be okay for both of them would suit them yeah, i'd guess i think i think onassis definitely um she she, uh, she ran really well at Ascot on debut where, they, where she just ran out of petrol and then she took a step forward at York on ground that would have been plenty quick enough over six furlongs for her. She goes on any ground, but over six, she really needs a bit of a test. But she ran on really nicely. She's got a fantastic attitude. She improved with racing as the year went on last year and the, the soft, heavy ground, whatever it is they're calling it, it's pretty testing, will be absolutely perfect for her. She's won over course and distance on heavy ground. So um, she comes in here with ideal conditions and she's just starting to really blossom. The Dream, 
Um, she has run with a huge amount of credit all year. Uh, her best performance of the year, again, was on soft ground in New Jersey, um, where the ground was yeah, pretty testing that day, and she finished third. Uh, again, I think seven furlongs is probably her trip as well, uh, and she's got a better draw of the two. Um, yeah, pretty hard to split them this time. Um, the ground, definitely Anassis will love just a tiny bit more than Vadrim will, but they'll both love it. And God, please God, we hope we go into a, another British group race with a couple of cracking chances. <laughs> this is an itch you need to scratch now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah, big time. It's starting to irritate me somewhat. And on Saturday, the Stewards Cup runners, tell me a little bit about uh, Edge to Love, because it's his first run for you. How long has he been in the yard? So we haven't had him that long. Um, we've had him about three weeks or so. Um, he is nice, nice big horse, good looking. He's obviously coming in here um, in fantastic form. He's won his last two. Um, all of his best form is on soft ground. In fact, I think had it been rattling quick ground, we probably wouldn't have run. But the ground has very much come in his favour. Um, he came over here pretty fit, so I haven't done much with him. He seems like a pretty straightforward character. I'm still learning about him. Uh, David Egan is going to ride him, which will help big time, because David knows him and has won on him the last twice. Uh, and just little things. He's not very good in the stalls, so he has to go in last. So things like that, having David on side, um, will be a big, big plus. So he's great. He's going to have a little blow tomorrow, but I really haven't had to do... You know, he's a sprinter and he's fit, so I haven't had to do much with him at all. Um, Keeper Chiefs is the opposite. I've known him... Um, I know him like the back of my hand. He has been a bit unlucky, really, recently. Um, the problem is, Charlie, he, he knows you like the back of his hand as well. <laughs> he, does. <laughs> he does. He does. And he's, yeah, he's a gem. I love him to bits. The Yard love him to bits. He's the nicest character. Yeah, he's extremely talented. I think he needs decent ground. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, there's not much rain forecast between now and then. I'm guessing we're probably going to be racing on pretty nice ground come... Uh, Saturday, I'd say it'll be drying out to, you know, probably good in places, maybe even better than that. Um, and that would be perfect for him. He doesn't want it really soft, and he's been unlucky the last twice. It's absolutely hosed it down um, both times he's run, and he, and he doesn't like that. It just takes out his finishing kick. Um, he ran great in the in the Wokingham to finish fourth, but it, but but on better ground, he's he's a much better horse. So the the drier it gets, the better. Um, it's just whether Goodwood, yeah, he loves being held up, and Goodwood maybe not quite such a hold up track as as Asker is, but um, big field and he he loves it. Thanks to Jamie Charlie, all my guests today. Jane Mangan is still with me. She's got winners aplenty for you, I've got no doubt. Well, this time last year, I remember going for Mohafet in the Sussex and then early doors in the Galway Plate. Well, we think Poetic Flair, or I think Poetic Flair might do that in the Sussex. And I'm going to go and stick with JP McManus, Joseph O'Brien and Mark Walsh, that trifecta on top moon in the Galway Plate tomorrow. I think he is, well, not well handicapped, but he is very well unexposed uh, compared to the shunter who is top of the market. So the total Galway Plate, go for top moon. Jane, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. I'm off to call some dressage. I'll see you again tomorrow. Enjoy Goodwood. Bye-bye. That was Wednesday, July the 28th.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.